people see women as less. They see women as more emotional. They see women as um, too apolitical or too political. Um, like women somehow are too extreme for people mm. um, to handle. And so to make things more palatable, they are pushed to the, to the back. As March wraps up, so does Women's History Month. It is a time to reflect on how far women have come in so many fields, but there's still so much left to do. Hello, and welcome to Offbeat by the Diamondback, a podcast about niches and communities at the University of Maryland. In the wake of presidential candidacy announcements, Offbeat took a closer look into how women in politics are treated compared to men, especially in the media. We also chatted with some politically active women on campus to see how they feel about the topic. I have devoted my life to this fight, and I'm just getting started. For a strong America, for a proud America, I am running for President of the United States of America. As I set out on this new journey, I will simply say this, may the best woman win. She says people, you know, politicians are something and not in their prime. Nikki Haley isn't in her prime, sorry. When a woman is considered to be in her prime in her 20s and 30s and Maybe 40s. The status quo, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else will not disrupt itself. That's our job. And so I'm here today again with my deep thanks for your coming here. I, as of today, am a candidate for the office of president of the United States. You uh, have been called, I think it was the Associated Press, that you are the longest of long shots. Why do you think you can do this? shatter that highest, hardest glass ceiling this time. Thanks to you, it's got about 18 million cracks in it. A nasty trust. woman. Students on campus also had a lot to say about these women running for president. Ignite is a club that encourages young women to get involved in politics and hopefully run for office as well. The Offbeat team spoke to some of its members and Ignite's president, Bridget O'Toole. So it's something that I've been really passionate about for a while. And I saw the club at the first look fair and I was like immediately interested. Um, but basically, like I've been in all four years now. I'm president. My freshman year of high school, I worked on Kathleen Matthews campaign for Congress um, and she ultimately lost. But I did that just to sort of see like how I liked it. And I found like that I was really passionate specifically about like campaigning for a woman. I'd say I just like kind of like went on with it and I interned with Emerge Maryland um, and that was just like a really cool process because it's training like big cohorts of women in Maryland to eventually run for office. Bridget and other members of Ignite meet to discuss politics, current events, and do professional development workshops. And the club's like main goal is to get women, um, like college age women involved in politics, like ultimately hoping that they'll pursue um, elected office or um, also just like kind of helping them to formulate uh, political opinions. It's nonpartisan, but also just like focusing on leadership skills, professional development as well. Bridge UMD is another political club on campus and Jonavi Kirkure is their president. My name is Jonavi Kirkure. I am the president of Bridge UMD, which is an organization dedicated to fostering civil discourse. So we talk about like fun, controversial, really interesting political issues. 
Um, and we provide a space for people to have that conversation, regardless of whatever um, political affiliation they have. Bridget and Janavi told Offbeat what they think about the political landscape so far and what they hope to see in future candidates. Anywhere I think any woman or any person who identifies as a female can say they face depression um, in some way or the other. Like the fact that we've gotten the closest we've gotten to having a female BR like preliminary world leader is Kamala Harris. And that took 300 years. So it it really does go to show like that there is some progress, but I think the biggest thing is that people often feel that a woman is not legitimate without the support of a man. If you look at the history of both parties, neither has the best um, like track record of actual genuine representation. Representation has always been scarce <laughs> on either side, regard whether that's women like gender or um, race or anything of the following. I don't know. I'm definitely excited to hopefully see like a diverse ticket that has like not just um, women, but like women of color, because I think that something else has been a big problem, especially like in in the Republican and the, in the Democrat Party is that we see like we talk about representation, but it's always it's often like one dimensional, like, oh, yeah, there's women but those are white women or, oh, there's women, but they're only straight women. So I think it's important that it's becoming more diverse. Ignite board member Camila Manrique voiced similar sentiments. I mean, I think it's great that they are like there are women who are willing to take that role and to fight because I know like when Hillary Clinton was a huge thing, like first woman to be nominated as a major party candidate down to like the top two. And I think it's important that people remember where we came from and to not stop and to continue fighting because we've come so far and we would hate to see everything go reverse. Like Camila said, it is important to know where we come from. I sat down with Anne Ferris Rosen, a political journalist of many years, to get her insight on how politics have changed. Okay, my name is Anne Ferris Rosen. Uh, I am a practicing journalist, but I am an adjunct uh, lecturer at the University of Maryland uh, Philip Merrill College of Journalism. Yeah, I've worked as a print journalist, a uh, couple of books, uh, but I started and have continued through the local newspapers. Uh, and then I rose to national uh, level with the New York Times and the Washington Post, the Pew Research Center. Um, and I covered a lot of political campaigns on both the local and the national level. Anne Ferris Rosen covered the Clintons from the time Bill Clinton was governor of Arkansas to Hillary Clinton's bid for president in 2016. Over this period of time, she was able to witness many changes, not only in the composition of our nation's politicians, but in the newsrooms that cover them. When I was a young journalist, not only was I one of the few females on campaign trails, but I was one of the few females in newsrooms. Uh, and and. I might say not a lot of people of color either. So there were very large um, separations there. And the production of media comes from who's producing it. And Ferris Rosen also informed me of the changes that took place in political institutions. Um, but Pat Schroeder died yesterday. And it reminded me how she was a first as well. She was the first woman to be elected to Congress from Colorado. And this was 1972 as well. Mm -hmm. And she served there for 24 years. And she was quite a, uh, an outspoken advocate, not just for her position, but for women. Um, 
at one point, she was highly discriminated in Congress by her peers. And at one point she said, um, I have a brain and a uterus and I use both. Barbara Lee, who's a representative in Congress now, is running for Senate, a black woman. And she was first elected in 1998. There were 11 black women in Congress at that time. Today, there are 28 black women in Congress, but there are no black women in the Senate. Um, Kamala Harris was in the Senate, but of course now she's vice president, so that was one less there. Um, and in the Senate's history, there have only been two black women in their, it's 228 year history. So there are still a lot of, un there's a lot of uncharted territory here, um, but women are making strides. Uh there are also multiple gender theories and other important dynamics at play here. Bobby Foster is a PhD candidate in the Philip Merrill College of Journalism. Her research focuses on media literacy, political communications, and digital cultures. Certainly, there's been a long history of uh, anytime women enter the political field, um, automatically trying to discredit what they're saying um, and dismiss what they're saying. You know, with this, if even if you look at sort of criticism of the suffrage movement, um, very much mirrors a lot of the criticism we still see uh, in in women in politics today about, you know, they're either bitter old ladies who never started a family, right? And that's why they want to be involved in politics or they don't know what they're talking about. Again, that's sort of the double-edged sword for women, right? It seems like the more qualified they are for a job, the less people like them. I don't know what it is, but like if you were to just look straight at Nikki Haley's resume or even a Hillary Clinton resume, just if you look straight at the resume of the jobs that they've held, if it were a male candidate, you know, people would say, hey, that person knows what they're doing because they've been working in government for 30 plus years but you know if it's a woman then she's either past her prime or she's you know part of the problem or you know something along those lines rather than being somebody to be celebrated for that much dedication and work to public service we're at a, a strange time in politics where you know at the same time there are women trying to break away from any kind of gendered language and, and distance themselves from their gender and not make it part of who they are when they're running. Nikki Haley, though, on the other hand, seems to be making her gender kind of a, a focal point of her running. So it's kind of an interesting time to, to exist in <laughs> where, where um, the, the, the approach as far as selling a candidate is kind of varied. You know, how much do you lean into their womanhood Certainly, intersectionalism has become a huge part of the conversation across the board, um, even for men running. You know, what what sort of intersectionally do they bring to the table? You know, what their what is their race and ethnic background? What is their economic background? How did they grow up? Where did they grow up? That's that's a huge part of the conversation. And I think with women, that's an also an interesting intersectional piece, especially when you're looking at someone like Nikki Haley, right, um, whose, you know, intersectionalities are really interesting comparative to like a Hillary Clinton, you know, because um, there are a lot more women who are first or second generation um, American citizens who are running. And so that brings a whole new intersectional conversation into the into the race. A concept that came up repeatedly in Offbeat's interviews was a double bind. I'll let Ann Ferris Rosen explain it. You know, just a, an appeal through your sex. Um, 
that a woman has to look a certain way, that men don't have to look in politics and running as candidates, uh, that, that she has this dual bind where she has to uh, be both warm and sexy sometimes and still tough. Uh, you know, people might argue well, men have to do that too, but there's just been a hyper, you know, hypersensitive generation of image in the media now and especially the visuals. Bridget also mentioned this when she spoke about why many women might be deterred from running from office. I think women are more likely to be judged on like their appearance, um, on like what they wear and how they present themselves. And something that we talk a lot about like in Emerge and in Ignite is like this like double bind concept where basically it's like women can't, they don't want to appear too feminine, but then like they don't want to appear too harsh and like masculine, especially between like the women that are newer to politics and the ones that aren't as new. There's kind of like an interesting contrast that you see between them. And Ferris Rosen places much of the blame on the media for perpetuating some of these ideas. Well, there's definitely a gender differentiation. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, most of that most of that much of that has been propagated by the media and the way the media covered it. The content is often generated by, uh, the, in this case, when I was coming up with predominantly white males. So um, it's changed. Um, we've come a long way, but there's still so much more to do. Bobby Foster reflected similar sentiments. You also can't factor out Trump and all the things he's said about women. And then of course the Women's March you know, right immediately during his inauguration has really kind of made media more sensitive, I think, to things that they normally would have said. They're they're being a little more careful um, this time about trying not to say the same things about women. You know, a lot of focus on how they're dressed or, you know, how they speak. Do they sound shrill or, or you know, angry versus do they sound approachable um and and again you kind of wish that the conversation was a little bit more about issues and not about the gender of the candidate but that's also kind of difficult from a news perspective if you're a news reporter when the candidate's campaign makes their gender you know like with Nikki Haley a pivotal point of who they are in their running you know it's if the candidate has decided that this is a selling point for themselves Yet, despite all this, the women of UMD remain hopeful. I don't think any man or any woman really holds the guts to stand up to the rest of the world in the way the United States needs to fix its act, (laughs) Um, to be frank. But I'm trying to think. Um, I am a fan of several of the newer members of Congress. Like, there's some people that I'm like, oh, this is, you seem really interesting and like a fantastic person. Like, Maura Healy um, is the new Massachusetts governor. Um, she was actually one of my favorite candidates. And so was Arna Miller. Arna Miller, I know she probably won't run for national office, um, but I was so excited to hear that she had won a lieutenant governor. Um, and it really is a matter of, for me, I would love to see women of color. And I feel like some of the newer candidates like AOC, more or less like Stacey Abrams, they're sort of trying to like forge their own path and kind of break out of that double bind mold and more generally like like embrace like their femininity and also like their um like their identity more generally so i i just think it's very important that we get more female candidates to run because 
I'm not like too familiar on like their um, topics. Um, there's like some differences in opinion, obviously, but um, I think it is important that women are starting to finally having like the strength and the spirit to run because there's so many women out there who feel unrepresented. So it's great. I think there's the numbers uh, and the power. And the more power women get, the more power they parlay, the more power they are able to use, uh, whether it's, you know, for everyone or just for, you know, opening the doors for others, as Pat Schroeder did. So to me, it's all very hopeful. As Pat Schroeder once said. She, she also said, when I die, I want to be cre cremated and reformed as a doorstop to hold the door open for other people. Thanks for listening to Offbeat. I'm your host, Julia Bischoff. This episode is brought to you with the help of our assistant editor, Grace Capetemi, and our reporters, Megan Barnes and Fatima Yazdi. Our music this month is by Sasha End. Follow Offbeat on Twitter at dbkoffbeat and follow the Diamondback on Twitter and Instagram at the dbk. You can find a transcript of this episode at dbknews.com. And if you liked this episode, tell your friends and tune in next time.